Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Sunday the 27th of February 2011, entitled Loving God Relentlessly, and the Bible reading is taken from Psalm 84, verses 9 to 12. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Well, it's the last service of the conference. But it's not goodbye, it's just see you later. And so uh, I trust and pray that... uh, You've had a good weekend. I have. And um, before I preach, I I just, since we didn't have a special, I just felt led of the Lord to sing this song. And so um, you may have not ever heard it before. I I heard this the first time at a young lady's funeral, 14-and-a-half-year-old young lady that I was introduced to about five, six years ago, and she had an inoperable brain tumor, and they were not able to take it out, and she knew she was going to die, and she requested as a Christian she was a beautiful, beautiful young lady inside and out, but she requested this song to be sang at her funeral. And um, it spoke so clearly to me, and I, I just feel like that, uh, I feel like it'll be a blessing to you as, uh, as this is our last service. So uh, I hope it'll be an encouragement to you. and wounded sinner lost and left to die will lift your head for love is passing by call on Jesus call on Jesus call on Jesus and live now your bird and carried far away and precious blood has washed away the stain so sing to Jesus sing to Jesus sing to Jesus and live like a newborn baby Don't be afraid to crawl Remember when we walk Sometimes we fall So fall on Jesus Fall on Jesus Fall on Jesus And live Sometimes the way steep and filled with pain and if the sky is dark and pours the rain then cry to Jesus cry to Jesus cry to Jesus and live oh and when the spills over and music fills the night and when you can't contain the joy inside then dance for Jesus dance for Jesus dance for Jesus 
with your final heartbeat kiss the world goodbye and go in peace and laugh on glory's side and fly to Jesus fly to Jesus fly to Jesus and live Fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, and live. Amen. We'll take your Bible and open to Psalm chapter 84. I'll finish this weekend off with about where we started uh, on Friday night, Jesus said unto his disciples, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second one is like unto it, that thou shalt love the neighbor, thy neighbor as thyself. That's where we started. Kind of dovetails in with Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. It says, O Israel, uh, hear the Lord, for the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love him with all thy heart, and all thy soul, and all thy might. But tonight I want you to look at a portion of Scripture, and I hope it'll be a real blessing to you. Look at, look at verse number 9, Psalm chapter 84 and verse number 9. I've entitled my message tonight, How to Love God Relentlessly. Relentless means to hold on and don't let go. Be tenacious. And so I want you to imagine with me the love of your life, whether you're married or uh, maybe you are not, uh, maybe you have a a child, and you love that child with all of your heart. Maybe it's a sister, or maybe not. <laughs> maybe it's a, a brother, or maybe not. Uh, isn't it amazing how brothers and sisters can fight so badly sometimes, but let somebody else pick on them? Huh? You, you're liable to draw back a nub. I mean, you know, you go, you're liable to draw back an arm with no hand on it. But listen, folks, that's the way we ought to love the Lord. We ought to love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. But many times we grow cold and apathetic and we wonder why. Why does that happen? I believe it's because we lose our focus. In order to, listen, in order for you to keep a, a listen, a fire uh, going in your heart, Ramani, you got to keep your focus on the one that you love. I want you to look at verse number nine. It says, behold, I like that word behold. There are two, actually two connotations in the scripture for the word behold. One of them means to behold, to scrutinize, to kind of try to figure out. It's kind of like one magician tries to figure out another magician's trick. He's beholding, he's scrutinizing to try to figure out something. That's not what this word means here. The word behold here means to, to look on for your benefit. He says, behold, look at it. O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Our Lord, O Lord of hosts, blessed or happy is the man that trusteth in thee. Let me turn my mic on. Excuse me. I want to preach a message to you on how to, how to love God relentlessly. 
Now, listen, folks, we've gone through a lot of stuff, and you've heard a lot of information. And, uh, you know, when you get up before people that you've preached probably a hundred times to, I don't know how Pastor Larry does it. I haven't had to preach that much. I haven't been in the same place. I've pastored my church now for uh, a little over a year, and I pastored a church for three and a half years before that. But to be in a pulpit as much as he is before you, sometimes, you know, you might hear something that like he said before. <laughs> Janie just, just kind of laughed there. We, she's heard it all. My wife's the same way. There is nothing that she hadn't heard from me. But you know what? Repetition ought not breed corruption in her heart. A lot of times we hear things that are repetition. You know what? That's, how, that's the way we learn math is by repetition. Uh, and we ought not let the things of God, when we hear stuff over and over, listen, there's nothing new under the sun. And folks, right here, we, we've got a portion of Scripture where it says that, listen, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Look at verse 11. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. We talked about the word uprightly just a few uh, nights ago when we talked about the life of Job. He was a man that feared God. He eschewed evil. He was perfect and upright. That means he kept his nose clean. He was, a, he was a, a man that stood tall. And by the way, folks, I don't care what's going on in England, don't care what's going on in America, we as God's people can stand tall, keep our nose clean, even in the midst of adversity, even in the midst of conflict, even in the midst of persecution, we can stand upright and we can serve God because I know and I've read the back of the book and I know who wins and we have got, listen, we might lose a few battles, but thank God we win the war. Nothing, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly, that keeps their nose clean. Look at it. Oh, Lord of hosts, blessed is he, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman, blessed is the teenager, the young person who trusts in him. Now, I want you to follow me just for a few minutes. I'm gonna, now, now, you're going to think I'm going one direction, but we're going to get about halfway through this thing, and I've got maybe about 15 minutes. We're going to get about 12 minutes in this thing, and I'm going to take a abrupt right-hand turn. All right, so just hold on. All right? In verse, number, in verse number 9, Steve, he says, O God, our shield, look, behold, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Boy, I hope and pray that's our prayer. I'd hope that we would just want to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of that which the world says you can have it all. Listen, and it don't matter how you get it. A lot of people are climbing the corporate ladder and the, uh, the, 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 the chain up to CEO rung by rung instead of rung by rung on a ladder. It don't matter who's in authority. They're going to try to go over you. They'll try to undermine you to get to the top. Because that's what we think is success, and we think that's what the blessing is, is to be the one in charge. You know what God said? Jesus Christ looked at his disciples and he said, You know the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion upon them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. He said, But it shall not be so among you. For whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. It's the Greek word diakonos, diakonia. It literally means one that is called to serve. Then he said, and whosoever among you will be chief or the greatest, let him be your servant. You know what the Greek word there is? It ain't diakonos, it's doulos. 
It means literally a bond slave. So you know what Jesus said? Here's what he said. If you want to be the greatest in heaven, if you want to be considered the greatest in heaven, if you want to be considered one of those that's in the arena of great, when you get to glory, you're going to have to be a servant. Not the one on top, but the one underneath everybody. Can I ask you a question? Have you actually, have you actually taken and considered the fact that in order for you to be promoted and have the hand of God on your life, the first direction that you're going to have to go is this way, not that way. We've got to get on our knees and beg God and say, Oh God, you know my heart, you know my soul, and I want you to make me, the, I want you to make me a servant for thee, but the only way I'm going to do that is if I humble myself. The reason why we don't see a major move of God because there's no more humility. And God can't bless pride. He only blesses humility. He'll only revive humble servants. He will not revive prideful, pious, vindictive, hypocritical people. Now, I hope none of those adjectives apply to you. But we've got to search our heart. It says, behold for your benefit. Look at verse number 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. May I say this? If you're going to love God relentlessly, you gotta, you're going to have to understand some characteristics about our God. The first one is this. He's a protector. He'll protect you. When you go out on the streets of uh, Birmingham and you're out there and, and you're witnessing for him, when you're in your uh, university and you're witnessing for him, when you have people come into the store on Saturdays and you try to share the gospel with him, Romani, and I thank God for you guys. You've got some zeal and some passion about reaching your uh, ethnic group. I thank God for that. But let me tell you something. Even when it seems scary, God will protect you. He said, I'll be a sun and a shield to you. I'll lighten the path and I'll, listen, and I'll go before you and I will protect you. So the first thing you need to realize is if you're going to love God relentlessly with some tenacity is realize that he'll protect you. He's a sun and a shield. But then I want you to look at verse number 11, the second portion of it. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. How many of you have ever felt like you've got more month at the end of your money than money at the end of the month? <laughs> We all have been there, haven't we? There's always so many more days at the end of the month and we don't know how we're going to meet the bills. We don't know how we're going to pay this. Where are we going to get the money for groceries? We've got to feed our children. They've got to be clothed. We've got to pay tuition. Can I say this? God's not only a protector, but thank God He's a provider. I used to think, Meg, I was poor. I used to think I was. You know what, until I, pastor, until somebody told me that we were, I didn't even realize it. I was in Bible college and we didn't have two nickels to rub together, Tyler. I can remember my wife used to go down to a little uh, grocery store called Ingalls and she could get these little bitty Cornish hens or something, two for two dollars, a dollar a piece. Let me tell you something, we ate so much Cornish hen, I could have turned into one. We ate a pile of it, I'll tell you that. But you know what? I didn't know. I didn't even know I was until somebody told me. But you know what? Then I said, no, we aren't. You know what an amazing thing? We go to the cupboard and say, we ain't got nothing to eat. Excuse me. We don't have anything to eat. 
I'm just, we ain't got nothing to eat. I don't understand it. We don't have nothing to eat. You know what? Truth of the matter is, we've got stuff to eat. It's just not what we want. Don't throw nothing. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to offend you. I'll either make you mad, sad, or glad before you leave tonight, probably. Maybe all three. I hope not the mad part, but anyway. God is a provider. And do you know what? God will provide your need. Where you need it, when you need it, whatever it is, God said, that's my name, I will provide. And no good thing will I withhold from them that walk uprightly. May I give you another verse? Psalm 37, Mick, says this. He said, he has never, God has never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed, David, begging bread. God take care of us. We're kind of like what we've read about in the Bible from the beginning of time when Adam and Eve were in the garden. Here's Eve. She goes, and God said, listen, there's uh, one tree you can't eat out of. You can't eat of. There's multitudes of trees you got, but the one tree that you can't eat from is a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that tree. Guess what? Eve got her focus on the one thing she couldn't have and off the multitude of things she did have. And guess what happened? She fell. See, folks, I believe if we'd stop complaining about what we don't have and start praising God for what we do have, boy, we'd have a lot better disposition. People would understand that our God is in control. We wouldn't walk around and people say, what's wrong with them people? I thought serving God, I thought the God that they served was a great God and He was a compassionate God and He was a providing God. But they look like He ain't none of that. I want you to understand something tonight. Our God is a protector. He's a protector. He's a provider. He'll provide for you in monetary. He'll provide for you in mercy. He'll provide for you in ministry opportunity. Whatever it is, God, His name is Jehovah Jireh. He will provide. He's a protector. He's a provider. But can I say this? Look at verse number 12. O Lord of hosts, blessed or happy. Let's say that word together. Blessed. Say blessed. That wasn't loud enough. Say it again. Happy. That's what the word means. Happy is the man that trusteth in thee. Steve, not only is he our protector and he's our provider, but number three, he's our portion. He's our portion. I've got a friend who has multiple sclerosis. I just found out that Penos and Eleni's dad, that's what he has. I don't get to see my friend. We went to Bible college. He's 38 years of age. He's got three kids. But you know what? I just saw him. He lives about 35 miles from us. And I just saw him not too long ago. And I looked at him and I said, man, have you been getting along okay? I mean, and physically he looked fine, but man... Inside, he said, man, I'm telling you what, I am as fatigued. I, can't, I don't have any energy. He said, this thing has really taken me to where I can't really work. Um, and I want you to just pray for me. And I said, well, what specific thing can I pray for you about? He said, well, just pray, number one, that uh, God will provide our needs because I can't work anymore. He said, but number two, he said, I want you to 
I want you to pray that my wife will praise the Lord about this thing as much as I do. I went, what? I said, time out. You've got multiple scrolls. You've got MS. And you want me to pray that your wife will praise the Lord for this as much as you do? You know what he said to me? He said, yeah, I want my wife to thank God for it. Doesn't that sound crazy to you? That sounds crazy to me. Here's a man who's got multiple sclerosis. He wants his wife to praise the Lord for his debilitating disease. You want to know what he told me? I said, how can you pray? I said, I want to know how you, because I need this for me. I said, I said, Jess, how do you praise the Lord for your debilitating disease? He said, I praise the Lord for it because it's what brought me to an intimate relationship with my Savior. It drove me to Christ. Let me tell you something. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care who's against you. I want to say this to you, you precious people. God knows exactly how much you can take. Can I say it again? Young people, God knows exactly how much you can take. Well, I just don't know if I can do it no more. I don't know if I can take it no more. God knows exactly how much you can take. And I have had people say, I know that my God won't put more on me than I can bear. Amen? Can I say this? He will. You say, well, that ain't biblical. Yeah, it is. He won't put a temptation to do wrong in your path, but what he won't make a way to escape. He'll never put a temptation for you to do wrong in your path that's not too much to run away from. And he'll always make a way for you to get away from it. But let me tell you something. The trials of life. Do you know what? When we walk through the door of trial in our life, we can turn around and by the grace of God, I can submit to you, Peter, we can turn around and on the top of that door, Mick, there's a sign that will be posted that says, permitted by God for a purpose. Every one of us in here are going to go through the valley of despair. We're going to go through the valley of financial trouble. We're going to go through the valley of physical infirmities. But can I say this? God, God allows it to happen so we know that He's our portion. He's all I need. Have you got to a point in your life where you've realized that God is enough? Job did. We think we got problems. I told the teenagers this. I told the young people this this weekend. We think we got problems. Job lost it all. A common theme through the Bible is there's been people that have loved God and they've served Him with all of their heart and faithful and bad things happen to God's people. Why is that? The only thing I can figure, Pastor Larry, is it's always been that way. All the way through the Bible. He's your provider. He's your protector. But He's your portion. That little young lady that I just sang that song that was at her funeral, her name was Sarah Hines. She died at 14 and a half. I can remember going to the hospital and watching as she lay her head in her daddy's lap and her head would hurt so bad that she would literally regurgitate. It would make her sick to her stomach. 
It began to be so bad, Evie, that her eye began to droop on one side and her mouth began to draw down because that inoperable brain tumor. But I can remember sitting in that, that hospital room and hearing her tell her daddy when it would finally subside and she would finally uh, get over the sickness, she'd say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that that's over with. How do you praise God when something like that's going on? Because you realize, young people, He's your protector, He's your provider, and He's your portion. I'm speaking to somebody tonight. You had, you're right on the, the, you're right on the cusp of quitting. I know there's one person, and I, I know there's at least one person that you said, you know what? It ain't worth it no more. It's just too hard. And you know what? I'm tired. I'm just tired. Who ain't tired? If you're tired, say amen. <laughs> that wasn't very... Well, I guess you're tired. I guess it wouldn't be a very hearty aim. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Young people, how do you have a relentless love for Jesus Christ? I don't know, but I can tell you this. It'll be evident in a person's life when they do have it. And you'll know it. And everybody around you'll know it. That little girl... You know what she requested at her funeral? She, she pre listen, she prepared her own funeral before she died at 14 and a half. Do you know how many of her friends came to Christ at her funeral? She had 16 of her friends in school come down an aisle and trust Christ that day. You know what she did at her own funeral, Peter? She had some friends that got saved that very day that worked at a place in Wilmington called P.T.'s Grill. P.T.'s Grill is a hamburger establishment in our area, a local one. They make homemade lemonades, fresh squeezed lemonade. Sarah Hines prepared her own funeral and she had at her funeral when you dismissed and they went to the interment at the graveside, she said her dad stood up and made this statement. My daughter requested that everybody here that came to her home going, she wanted everybody here to have a glass of fresh squeezed lemonade before you left. Everybody went, what? And he said, let me explain. My daughter, in her little cute, poignant way, wanted every one of you to know that when God gives you lemons, you just make lemonade. You know what she was saying? God, you've allowed this to come into my life. And no good thing will you withhold from them that walk uprightly. But Lord, you've chosen not to heal me on this side of eternity. But thank God you've given me a promise, Lord, that you will heal me. It's just over there. Who am I speaking to tonight that's lost your relentlessness? You, listen, your love for Jesus Christ has kind of waxed and waned. Listen, I know you've gotten charged up, but see, here's what's going to be a great evidence if things stuck is three weeks from now when old Brian ain't around to kickstart you. Are you going to love Jesus Christ? When you're in the midst of a valley and you ain't in a youth conference or you don't have a week meeting and there ain't nobody around but you and God and like David said, I'm just going to have to encourage myself because I have nobody else. 
I'll tell you what, that's when the love of Jesus Christ really comes forth, is when you are all alone in the valley and realize he's your provider, he's your protector, and he's your portion. I didn't come up here tonight to be eloquent. I didn't come up here to entice your emotions. I didn't come up here to tell funny stories or tell sad stories on purpose. I'm just trying to make you realize how much and how relentless God is for you. Why can't we be relentless for Him? I want you to turn over to John chapter number 21. I want to read a couple verses and then we'll go home. John chapter number 21 Everybody pretty much knows this story. Jesus Christ had showed himself to his disciples and Thomas finally saw, touched, and said, My Lord and my God. And the others were a little discouraged because he's getting ready and he ascended to heaven. And in chapter number 21, in verse number 3, Simon Peter saith unto them, to the disciples, I go a-fishing. I'm going back to fishing. You say, what do you mean, Pre? What was he saying? You know what? There's nothing wrong with fishing, amen? I like fishing. Hey, not, not a thing. Matter of fact, I don't like going fishing. I like catching fish. There's a big difference. You can go fishing all day long, but unless you catch it, it really ain't that fun. But he said, I'm going back to fishing, guys. We've all been there. Lord, I'm, why did you leave me? Why'd you go away? It ain't, I'm not going to do this no more. You, I'm just so discouraged, and I'm just going to go back to my old livelihood. I'm just going to go back to fishing. We've all been there. But aren't you glad when you get in those moments of despair, Steve, that Jesus Christ will show up just in the moment that you need him? I want you to look at verse 15. Jesus showed up and actually they saw him from the, from the shore, uh, from the boat, and he was on the shore and he'd already put together a fire and he had fish already frying on the fire. And I'm telling you, they were getting ready to eat breakfast. I mean, it was early in the morning and he comes down to verse 15 and it says, so when they had dined, after they had eaten, and I don't know about y'all, but if you fished and now you got your belly full, this might be, a, you know, you're a little wet. I don't know about you, but you kind of want to take a nap. <laughs> I'm sure the other disciples, and I know I'm kind of taking a little bit of license here to go a little farther with it, but I can imagine the other disciples are probably over there, just over there having a little nap, cat nap, and, and Jesus pulls Simon Peter aside, and he says, Come here, Peter, I want to ask you a question. Jesus said unto Peter, he said, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? Lovest thou me more than these? And he, Peter, said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love you. And, and he said unto him, Well, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. What you talking about, Jesus? He said, you know what? It's a noble thing to go back to your employment. It's a noble thing to want to go out and have some recreation and fish. He said, but Peter, I called you to do something. 
And he said, you stop fishing and you go back preaching. You go back to feeding sheep. Everybody knows the story. He said it again the second time. He said, really, Peter, do you love me more than these? Oh, yeah, you know I love you, Lord. Y'all know the play on words there. He said, Peter, do you agape me? Peter said, oh, Lord, you know I phileo you. Ain't the same thing. We've talked about that. Go full circle to what we talked about Friday night. Agape love versus phileo love. Phileo is a fondness. Agape is sacrificial love. It's unconditional. The third time, Mark, he says, do you love me, Peter, more than these? And he said, Lord, you know, I, you know all things. You know I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. Then he does this. This is amazing. Matter of fact, let me read what he says. Look at John chapter number 21. Look down at the latter part of the chapter, and I want you to look at verse number... Look at verse number 18. Verse number 18, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Peter... When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest while, uh, whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. You know what he was saying? I'm going to give you a promise, Peter. I'm going to be your protector. I'm going to be your provider. I'm going to be your portion. And I'm going to be the very person that in your old age, I'm going to gird you up and another hand will come down, and I'm going to take you home to be with me forever. Wouldn't that be an encouragement to us? That's an encouragement to me to know that I'm going to spend forever with Jesus Christ. But look what Peter did. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved, following. Who was that? Anybody? John. Peter looked around, and John now has probably got a little interested in what they're talking about. And John has kind of tried to follow along. Peter turns around. And he sees John following, and this is what, which also leaned upon the breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Did you hear what? Now, whoa, wait a minute. Here Jesus has just given a promise to Peter. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to be your portion. And the first thing Peter does is says, well, what, what about him? What about him? What's going to happen to him? You know what? When you're on the streets of Birmingham or you're on the streets of Regalwood, North Carolina, do you know there are people that always want to detract attention away from the main question? You go on the streets and ask somebody about where they're going to spend eternity. Well, I wonder, sir, if you know about what's going to happen after the tribulation. And I'd like to know about these things in eschatology and all this. And you know what? They sidestep the main question, and it's this. Have you ever trusted Christ? ain't really going to matter what happens in eternity if you ain't made a decision to, about eternity. Don't worry about what happens in the millennial reign. Don't worry about that. You answer the main question, and then we can start talking about the other things. He said, what about that guy? Look at verse number 23, or verse number 22. Then Jesus said unto him, I can almost imagine, I can almost imagine, Neil, that Jesus took, Peter's head, cupped his hand and put it under Peter's chin. Now, he's looking back at John and says, well, what's going to happen to him? And Jesus cupped his hand, put it under his chin, and had him look over at him. And Jesus said to him, 
If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? You follow me. You know what I found out? One of the greatest qualities of a person that's relentless about God is that when God speaks, that person moves. They don't sit around and debate with God. By the way, God's not on trial. When God speaks, God's people ought to listen. May I say this? True love demands sacrifice, but it demands submission. This is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. True love takes sacrifice. True love takes submission. Now I want to ask you a question tonight. Are you blessed? Are you happy? Do you have happiness when it comes to Jesus Christ? Because can I say this? If you're going to get a real good long look at God, you'll never get away from this fact. He's my protector, He's my provider, and He's my portion. And no good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. Do you really love Him more than anything else in the world? I work so hard for Jesus. I often boast and say, I sacrificed a lot of things to walk the narrow way. I gave up fame and fortune. I'm worth a lot to thee. But then I heard him gently say to me, I left my throne in glory and counted it but loss. They nailed my hands in anger upon the cruel cross. So now we'll take this journey with your hands safe in mine. Just lift your cross and follow close to me. No good thing will the Lord Jesus Christ withhold from them that walk uprightly. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to ask you something. Are you a person that's happy because you've trusted in Him? You've trusted in the Lord Jesus. As Miss Shelley makes her way to the piano, this is the last service that we have. I want to ask you a question tonight. Nobody looking around. But if you're here tonight, if you're here tonight and you've been struggling with some things in your life, maybe about God's provision, maybe about God's protection, maybe about God being your portion, being enough, have you gotten to the point in your life, mom and dad, teenager, to where you've realized that He really is all you need? I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands in this last service. I'm going to ask that you consecrate this time and you deal with God as He deals with you. Whatever it is in your life, you give it to Jesus Christ. I don't care. Listen, whatever it is, give it to Him. Are you going to be one of those people that wants to sidestep the issue of what you're supposed to do and try to point fingers at what somebody else is doing? Hey, listen, let God have His way tonight. There's room at the cross for you.
Are you here tonight and you don't know that you're saved? If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen to me, you'll never know what relentless love is until you meet Him. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't have that love. You don't have that, that relationship. I want to pray for you. If you are in that condition, say, Preacher, will you pray for me? I'm not sure something happened to me tonight. I'd go to heaven, but I want to go, and I want you to pray for me. Please pray for me. I'm not sure if something happened to me tonight. I'd go to heaven, but I want to, and I want you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up and then put it back down? Anybody like that? Anybody? God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm praying for you. May I say this? He's your provider and your portion. Abraham said God will provide himself a lamb. He provided one for you. All you've got to do is put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He'll cleanse you of your sins. He can be your Savior and sit on the throne of your life if you'll allow him. Hey, Christian, do you love God relentlessly? Do you? I want you to search your heart about that tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, in this invitation time, I pray that God, you'd have your way Lord, bind and bound the strong man, the devil, cast him away from his place that, Lord, you could do a work in the hearts and lives of people. And we'll love you and praise you for what you do because we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen.